Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unabridged. We are here today to talk about our book club episode focused on Samira Ahmed's internment. Before we get started, we want to remind you that on our website, you can subscribe to our newsletter. We'll link that in the show notes. You can also go to the link in our bio on Instagram at Unabridged Pod. And we have a link there to subscribe to the web or to the newsletter. And we are doing weekly newsletters during this time of crisis. We are all home right now with our kids and we are in need of some hopeful and fun activities. And we think that there are a lot of people out there who are as well. So we're trying to provide some of the things that have been working for us or that we think might work for us in that newsletter. So we're increasing the frequency right now as Ashley said, for the duration. <laughs> we don't know how long it will happen, but we'll try to keep it up each week. So, all right. So before we start our discussion of internment, we did want to do our bookish check-in. Uh, Sarah, why don't you share what you are currently reading? Okay. I will start off by saying I have had some serious issues trying to read lately, and it's not really because of my kids. It's just because they they read and they do their their own thing because my kids are a little bit older, but I just am having a really hard time concentrating. So I have started, I'm not too far in Sarah Dunn's The Arrangement, and this is a book about couples who are exploring an open marriage, which is something that is totally out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and I'm not sure... I'm not sure how I like it, but I, it's definitely something different. And the, I think the writing is good. And so far, I'm interested in the stories of the couple that in the story of the couple that is kind of this, the focus of the book. So I will let you know my full thoughts once I'm a little bit further. But but I am reading Sarah Dunn's The Engagement. Engagement. I'm sorry, not Engagement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm reading Sarah Dunn's The Arrangement. <laughs> That's different than engagement. Uh, it is. I will say, I told Sarah this too. I read that book after hearing the author Sarah Dunn on the Just the Right Book podcast. And I loved her interview with Roxanne Cody. And that definitely gave me an interesting context going into the book. So, yeah. I, maybe, I, maybe we can link it in show notes, the interview. Definitely. Ashley, what are you reading these days? So like Sarah, I have had some difficulty navigating the reading waters as we are adjusting to new circumstances. But and I do have very small children. And so things are going okay. But it has been a pretty significant transition. And uh, so I've been looking for things that I can move through quickly and that I, I, I was really inspired by our conversation with Whitney and the Unread Shelf. And 
I have been trying to take advantage of the fact that we have some time to work through the unread shelf books. So one that it's been on my shelf for a long time, there's actually two I'd like to read by Gary Schmidt. I've actually never read any of his work. And so I wanted to read OK For Now, which I've had on my shelf for a long time. And I still want to read that, but I decided to start with the Wednesday Wars. So I just, I haven't, I haven't read much into this, but I love the narration. I was really interested right away and feel like, yeah, I just really love the main character and think it's going to be a lot of fun to read. So again, that's Gary Schmidt's The Wednesday Wars. And I'm looking forward to reading that and his okay for now. I really liked The Wednesday Wars when I read it. That's what I've heard great things. So, and it's short and seems manageable. So that's great. What about you, Jen? So I am listening to Rebecca Searles in five years. Mm. I got that from Libro FM and I really love Sarah. I know love this too. Ashley, I think you read it too. The the dinner list. I did. I listened to that one on audio. It was great. Yeah. So this is her new one and I will say I am really enjoying it. It is quite different from what I expected. So it focuses on a character who gets engaged to her boyfriend. And that evening she sort of, I don't know, has a out of body experience and has this vision of five years from that date. She is with a different man from her fiance. And so she's trying to figure out what's going on. She doesn't know who it is. She doesn't recognize him. It's not someone she knows. And then she returns to her body, returns to the present time, and is back with her fiancé and everything's normal. And so she becomes really interested in preventing that future from taking place because she loves her fiancé and she wants to stay with her fiancé. And so I just thought, wow, this is a great setup for a romance. But it's not really a romance. Like, it is. It has these elements of romance, but it's also about the main character and her best friend. And as the book is continuing, it seems to be as much or maybe more about that friendship as it is about who she's going to end up with at the end of the book. Now that could change. We'll see, but I am really, really enjoying it. The narration is great. Megan Hilty, who I loved on the NBC show smash. Yay. (laughs) It was not very long, but it was so good. And so she is reading the book and she is just, she's an actress. She's phenomenal. Her voice is great. And so I'm really enjoying that one. All right. Those all sound great. I'm glad we're all reading something at the moment. Anyway, (laughs) moments of sanity. All right. So we're going to turn now to internment. First, I'm going to read just a little summary and then we'll get started with our questions with our different categories. Samira Ahmed's internment takes place a few years in the future when ugly political rhetoric has taken shape in Islamophobic laws reminiscent of Germans' treatment of Jews in the Holocaust or the United States' treatment of Japanese during World War II. Layla Amin and her parents are swept up in this wave of hatred and moved into an internment camp near Manzanar. Layla struggles to balance going along with the camp's restrictions peacefully and fighting to make a difference through rebellion and protest as the camp director's desire for control becomes increasingly directed at Layla and her friends. All right, so let's start with Ashley this time. Ashley, what are your overall impressions? So I, sorry, I feel like I should tell our listeners I'm having a little bit of technical trouble here. So I'm like holding up my computer. It's a little awkward, but we are powering through folks. So 
overall impression, I loved the concept behind this book because I felt like Ahmed did a great job of getting to the core of a lot of what is going wrong in American society right now and showing showcasing that in a way that helps readers to understand what that feels like for the Muslim community. And so I felt like that part was really great. I did have some trouble with some of the plot aspects of the book and there were just parts that there were parts that I had a hard time believing and there were parts that kind of fell flat for me. So I think as we talk about it there's a lot of things I loved about the book, and I think it was an important one, an important story to tell. But I felt like sometimes it was hard to stay with Layla and some of the choices that she was making. Okay. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Ashley. I thought, I, I thought that it was. I think it is a book that young adults will like, and uh, that they will definitely get something from. I just felt like for me, I just had to suspend my disbelief way too many times. Yeah. And I, I just, some of the characters, I just didn't buy the, the motive. Like I, I didn't feel like I, I was able to buy what was motivating them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How, I don't know if that makes sense, but I did think that it like Ashley, everything Ashley said at the beginning when she was just talking, I agree with that. It's just at the end, I just didn't feel feel the way that I wanted to feel at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that seems vague, but that's just kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Uh, so this was a weird experience for me. So I have now read it twice. And when I went into Goodreads to rate it this time, the first time I rated it five stars. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this time I did not. <laughs> and so I would say, I often look back at my previous Goodreads, Goodreads ratings <laughs> and wonder why I rated it that way. Yeah, like you guys. So I think the first half of the book for me is much stronger than the second half. And I think what is strongest in the book are the ideas behind it more. I think this is what you guys are saying as well, more than the execution of characters. Mm-hmm. And so... I felt like that was stronger in the beginning and then in a few places at the end than it was through the plot. I think the times that she's explicitly stating what she believes are the strongest for me. And yeah, so there are a lot of things I enjoyed. I think it is great for discussion. We actually did this as our buddy read in March. And I think we're having some great conversations about culture and people's attitudes and and things like that but I do think on a to parse the plot and to parse the characters reveals some shortcomings that maybe mm-hmm. I focus on as much the first time through clearly I did not so anyway so we're going to turn now to what worked for us Sarah do you want to start and share what worked for you in internment sure so I really liked the relationship that Layla had with her parents. And although I didn't always agree with the way that she showed her love to them or like what she did to, in her mind, keep them safe and that type of thing, Mm -hmm. I didn't always agree with that. But I totally thought that their the relationship between the three of them and their love for one another was very believable. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was well-developed, whereas in some other ways, 
other things I didn't think were as well developed, mm-hmm. but I thought that was very well developed, and I totally um, really I just really liked that relationship between her and her parents, and the mm-hmm. relationship between her mom and her dad. They just mm-hmm. I you could feel the love and. They just supported each other, and I just thought it was a really beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved her dad's poetry mm-hmm. and the way that was incorporated. And both what it said about the fact that it was, you know, that it was censored and that they were burning his books, but also just about the ways that that was incorporated through the narrative I thought were really lovely. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? Yeah, I was going to say about the poetry as well, Jen. But, Sorry. <laughs> um, but I mean, because I do, I do think what I really liked was just like the power of words and the fact that our the words that we say do matter. And, you know, in this case, they were used in a negative way, but it, it, like used against her family. But I think also it's because words are powerful and that they can command action. And so I think that that part, was meaningful to me and same with the relationships with her family. I agree with that, Sarah, like that part worked well for me, I guess. So another thing that I think worked well, I struggled with all the stuff with Jake, but I think beyond that, but beyond that part, all the friendships that she made in the camp that I really appreciated and enjoyed. And I think was realistic because I can think Mm -hmm. that when you are in those circumstances you you do form bonds in a much quicker way and it's believable to me that the 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 teenagers who connected in that camp would have those connect you know would feel close to each other and would would bond very quickly so I think that's another thing that I really liked in the book was just the relationships between the teens as they got to know each other in the camp Mm -hmm. yeah I really liked how firmly entrenched in historical context the book was the fact that their internment camp is near Manzanar and Mm -hmm. and the fact that she it's not like she's wandering through with no idea about the parallels with the Japanese internment camps the fact that she is keenly aware of all those parallels that we get commentary on 9-11 that we get commentary on the decision of some of her friends in the camp to uh, cover their heads to yeah, just all of these little things that are showing how connected what's happening in the story is to our current world and to our historical world. I thought the fact that Manzanar had been closed as a national park right before the internment started and the fact that she's showing that Ahmed is showing how closing off our connection to history is one strategy for being able to push through other agendas mm-hmm. and that Layla's connection to that is showing is keeping her connected. Like she is understanding the machinations behind all of that. So I really like that part. Again, mm-hmm. I think that's really closely related to those explicit statements of belief of analysis of what's happening. And that part all really worked for me. Yeah, I loved the part about the hijabi girls and everything Mm -hmm. that she shared about how, you know, they are already brave and they already have decided to do something that they know is really countercultural and because they believe that for their faith and for their personal choices. And, you know, and I I really liked all of that also. Like that was kind of a a side part of the friendships that developed since that that wasn't like her core group that they came, you know, came to support. But I mean, I just, I loved all that because I thought that was just such a positive commentary on the choice to wear the hijab and how that, and the, and the teens who are making that choice. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought the decision to have David be her boyfriend, be of Jewish descent was Mm -hmm. smart too, because that allowed Ahmed to comment, to, to draw that connection with the concentration camps. And then when he suggests that she and her family basically become informer, like just all of those, all of the historical resonance. I, yeah, yeah, I really liked. Yeah. All right. So let's turn now to what didn't work for us. I just, a lot of, a lot of the things that happened during a lot of Layla's actions, I didn't buy, I guess. In the beginning, when they first got to camp, I thought she did some things that were really extreme and risky to, for her and for her family. And I just, I don't know. I just couldn't really, I just really couldn't picture a teenager in that situation making those moves when she snuck out. Mm-hmm. after um after curfew and they had just arrived there i mean i just can't imagine a teenager doing that so quickly mm-hmm. i mean because she they, she had just gotten there and i mean in putting her in the way that she loved her parents i couldn't see her putting them in that situation mm-hmm. it just seemed more to drive the narrative and the plot along mm-hmm. than as a really like a, a decision that character would have made and then i had a huge problem with the relationship with Jake and mm-hmm. just just from the beginning to the end and like how he died it just all felt really contrived to me mm-hmm. and I did I did not like that at all I didn't think that I, I didn't think it needed I didn't think all of those things I think there were other ways that 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 the narrative could have progressed without having that whole thing it just I mean I think in the end we're supposed to feel so upset that he died and you know, as a person looking at the way that the the book was set up, I can understand that, but I just felt like manipulated by that whole thing, and mm-hmm. I just I did not like that at all. So those were the those were the big things, but I mean, for me, the like you said before, Jen, the book was was stronger in theory and than it was in execution, and mm-hmm. uh, there were there were I don't want to I think it's an important book because it gets it will reach its intended audience. But for mm-hmm. me, it, there were just a lot of things in the plot that didn't work. So I'm not going to list them all, but those are two of the main things that were really, that really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah. Yes. I will just con- affirm. That I agree. <laughs> Ashley, what did you think didn't work for you? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to harbor, I don't want to <laughs> belabor the point here, but I think that the relationship with Jake and David was the hardest thing for me to get past, just in the sense that it was hard for me to, it was hard for me to imagine that, that Jake would be so interested in her and so willing to run so many risks and, and seemingly because he was like in love with her as opposed to because he believed that was the right thing to do and resisting was the right thing to do. I think I could have gone there. I could have believed that there was a a person who was in the military. I mean, I I liked all of that. I liked how people were like, this is not what we signed up for. We we're in the national guard. We want to support our country. I liked all of that because I think that that is real, that people follow orders they don't agree with until they get to a point that they just can't. Right. And so I could have gone there and I could have believed that he was doing it for that purpose. And I do think that we see in the book that he admires her because of her ability to resist and because she is making a stand and like all of that Mm -hmm. I could have gone with. But I think it's because it was 
it came across as a love interest that I just really struggled with that. I mean, it was just hard for me to get past that. And then, like you said, Sarah, I think that I was supposed to feel really sad when he died. But instead, I was just like, of course, he had to die because there was no way to reconcile this situation. Right. Except for him to die by sacrificing himself for her so that she can go back to her happy life with her boyfriend. I mean, I just think that that was like, you know, the reality check for me as opposed to like what I should have felt. But Mm -hmm. I do think like you said that I for sure, it, for its intended audience, I don't think that any of that would bother a teenager mm-hmm. in the way that it bothers me as an adult. And so that, it, yeah, I mean, I think she knows how to reach her audience. And, you know, the book's not written for me as an adult in the way that it's written for a teen. And that's okay. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, I think that that part was really hard for me. And then just a lot of the choices that she made, her impulsiveness, her un- unwillingness to, I, I could see that Ahmed needed her, needed the situation to escalate quickly. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel I didn't even the violent things that happened that were horrible. I didn't feel them emotionally resonate quite as much as I needed them to in order for her to run the risks that she was running. Yeah. I think is kind of how it felt throughout. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I agree with all of that from both of you. I'm going to turn to a different thing. I haven't said this out loud, so hopefully I can articulate it. I became really frustrated. I think there needed to be a bad guy. And the director is definitely a bad guy. But I felt like it oversimplified the true complexity of the problem to pin everything on him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then for her to be able to sort of overthrow his authority meant that the problem was solved on the larger level. And I did not believe that being able to show him as such a horrible person would mean that the camps were over. And so in a, yeah, I wanted, like I appreciated so much of her explicit statement of belief. And I think all of those depend on larger systemic changes that need to happen. And so then to reduce it to, well, if you get rid of this one bad guy, it's all going to be okay. That's why I really like the first half of the book better than the second, even though I think some of the speeches, like the quotation I'm going to talk about in a minute is from the second half. I think some of the speeches from the second half are great, but it's because he's embodying the beliefs of the system, not just Mm -hmm. his own beliefs. And so then, Mm -hmm. yeah, that I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. That was frustrating to me. Yeah, I think that I wanted there to be a happy ending and I wanted things to work out for Layla and her family. But then it was hard to believe that the sequence of events that happened led to that because of exactly what you said, Jen, that like this was a systemic problem. And I think that Ahmed speaks really well to that about the Mm -hmm. culture of fear and the otherness and trying to make people into an other and separating them out. I mean, I think all of that was really well presented, but then because of that, it couldn't just be, yeah, it couldn't just be this like taking down of this one person. Absolutely. Right. All right, well, let's move on. Um, each of us has chosen one quotation to discuss, and I'll just mix things up. Ashley, do you want to start this one? Sure, yeah. I think I, as I was looking back, like I said, I, there were some plot problems that I struggled with, but I really did. There were a lot of things that really resonated for me, and so I do think she has some really beautiful language in there, and I think that there are a lot of parts that meant a lot to me, but the one that stood out to me now in light of our current circumstances of course we picked this book well before we knew what was going to be going on in our world right now 
And so the quote that I chose is on page 119. And she says, the most important lesson I've learned, though, don't count all the things that existed for you then that you don't have now. Don't make that list. It will drive you mad. And I just think that really resonates for me. I mean, that's, you know, the world that we're in right now. Like we, a lot of things have changed for us very quickly and, and very drastically. And we're all having to figure out how to brace that, you know, how to embrace that every day and how to move forward. And so I just really appreciated that because I think that some of those experiences that Layla was having, all of us as readers can relate to right now of just the world changing really fast around us and having to frantically figure out what to do about that. And so, I mean, I just appreciated that of her being like, it doesn't really matter what then was. We are in the now and, you know, we need to figure out how to, how to make the most of that. And that part made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's great. Sarah, how about you? So my quote is uh, from page 98 and it is the scariest monsters are the ones who seem the most like you. And I think, I mean, I, it just stood out to me. I don't really, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I don't really have a lot of commentary on why it stands out. But to me, like when I, when I watch the news and some of the things that are on there, and I think that, you know, there are people that are trying to lead that just, you know, it, the, the, I don't know. I don't know. This, the quote just speaks to me and, mm-hmm. and where we are at the moment in our country. And that, that, that's the, that is the quote that st- stood out to me the most when yeah. I read it, the yeah. book. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to demonize the other and to think mm-hmm. that the bad guy is always obvious and mm-hmm. yeah, it's scarier when it's not for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so mine, as we were looking at quotations earlier, Sarah said, man, page 329, like the whole page, I felt like I had a ton of book darts on it. But this is toward the end of the book. And one quotation that really stood out to me was, this is the director speaking. You think you can win this? You think you can beat me? I could give you your martyrdom. I could burn you at the stake in the middle of the desert with the cameras watching. And in two days, you'd be old news. And everything would be exactly as it is now. And your death would mean as much as any other death, sound and fury signifying nothing. And I just thought that, like, I I am a big consumer of information. And I think sometimes, I think that's a good thing. And sometimes I feel like it just makes everything even. And so it's hard to pick out the things that should truly stand out and that should resonate for us for days and weeks and months. Because just that constant stream of information makes it hard to hold on to anything. And I think that's something I've been struggling with recently, just in analyses of our current situation, are how much information is too much so that you can't Mm -hmm. begin to process what you need to process to make it meaningful. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. again, I think her, she is really eloquent in Mm -hmm. expressing problems that exist in our current society. Yeah. So this is not a category, but I do just want to touch on the author's note because I think Mm -hmm. we all have been very much focused on the story through the book because Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about. But her author's note, I thought, was really powerful. Do either of you want to say anything about that? Well, I think that she has this gift when she just speaks or, or writes, just writes what she means. I think that the, that, that, 
I would be interested in reading a nonfiction book that she writes mm -hmm. that's researched and then, then her commentary because I think that what she wrote in the author's note impacted me just in those few pages more than some than the book than the actual story in the book. And I mean I think she really I mean, I like that she, like in the author's note, she says, there are sides, make a choice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and I think for me, like I tend to uh, tend to kind of shy away from confrontation or speaking up. I, that is really difficult for me, but I, to me, like it was, I was like, yeah, I mean, you just, that you, that you have to be willing to do the thing if you're going to make a difference. And I mean, mm -hmm. it really spoke to me and I think that she, that is a gift that she has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I echo that. I mean, I just think that mm -hmm. she, her intention that, as we said in the beginning, I think her intentions for this are clear. And I think mm -hmm. that she does that part really well. And I think it's an important mm -hmm. story to tell. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And I think it's a great, because I feel like I've said some things that are, you know, that there were things that didn't work for me, but I want to again reiterate that I think that it is a book that is needed, especially for young people mm -hmm. and that young people will get a lot out of it. Right. That's but right. I'm an adult and I'm reading a book that's made, that is written for young, young adults. And I can see where I wish things were different, like where I wish she would have done more, but mm -hmm. I think that for the, her audience that it will really resonate with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think I would teach, I would have the book in my room for sure, but I would teach that author's note. I think that yeah. would be, mm -hmm. you could teach it as an essay. Excuse me. I think that yeah. would be a great place. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it, it reminded me in some ways of where Jason Reynolds wrote the letter to the young men at the mm -hmm. end of the speak re like the, the, the new edition of speak where he added that note. I think it was the same kind of thing. It was just like super powerful, really rich and can be, and can be analyzed just on its own. So yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. All right, well, let's move on. So each of us has chosen a book to pair with internment. Ashley, will you share your choice? Yeah, so I chose another book that really focuses on activism, and it's Mark Oshiro's Anger is a Gift. And I, sorry, I keep bumping things that I feel like are very noisy. So, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Got a makeshift recording space up here. So, anyway, I feel like... Simil I mean, there are a lot of similarities, honestly, between Ahmed and Ashiro as far as I just feel like he is a passionate activist. I love him as a person. I think that the things that he shares and the voice with which he shares them is just amazing. I did feel that there were some similarities as far as plot points being hard for me to kind of go there in the story with anger as a gift, just like I felt with this one. So I feel like it's another good example of a young adult book that I think is an amazing story to tell. And I think it's an important one for kids to read, but I do think that its best audience is teens and that teens will benefit from reading it. So anger as a gift is really focused on it's, it's about a school that is run down and is poorly funded and they have these, they have an incident that involves medication for a kid who has epilepsy. She needs the medication. The officer who is on duty totally misreads the situation and assaults her. And instead of the, author, the um, officer being reprimanded, instead she is, you know, she's the one who gets criticized and they put in these metal detectors and 
everything escalates very quickly from there. And so it's just really a story about when everyone turns on the kids instead of seeing that they are hurting them, they're turning Mm -hmm. against them and seeing them as being the, you know, the perpetrators of, or or the danger. I mean, they're, they're definitely perceived as being the danger in the book. And I think that all of that is just really powerful. But again, similar to this one, I mean, there are just some, some plot things that I really, really struggled with, but I think that Ashiro does a great job with, he just shows a lot of different kinds of kids. I think that Mm -hmm. the students who read it, like teens who read it will see themselves in one of the characters. And I think he does a really great job with that. And I love the friendships that develop in the story. I also love the relationship between the main character and his mom. I think that is all really tender and well-crafted. And it also speaks to Oshiro does a good job of showing how scary it is to take a risk and to be an activist and what is at stake. And I think he really works through all of that as well. So again, I think that it's a great story for kids, for teens to read. And like this one, like internment, it's speaking to the importance of, I mean, just like you were saying, Sarah, like there are sides and you need to choose one. And mm-hmm. it is up to you to be an activist is up to you to take a stand and the world needs your voice. And so I think that, you know, his book really echoes all of that. And again, that was Marco Shiro with anger as a gift. All right, Sarah, what's your choice? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Nick Stone's Dear Martin. We read this for a buddy read in January and uh, it is, it is a story of justice and the title comes from the fact that justice writes notes to Martin Luther King Jr. and asking basically how Martin was able to navigate his life and what he did and his activism during the time that he, he was at, he was alive and how justice can basically do the same thing or you know mm-hmm. to be an activist and to mm-hmm. be and just to be uh, be able to navigate the things that he has to navigate in his life. And I think that this is another book that is great for kids. It's great for them to see some hard things that are that are currently happening in our world. There are, like internment, there are a couple things in the plot that were hard for me to digest but I think that it is powerful I think it speaks to kids and it is a really quick read mm-hmm. uh, so I think it would be I, I think I could see Dear Martin in a literature circle scenario with internment mm-hmm. and um, anger is a gift I think yeah. that they all mm-hmm. have something to offer students and lessons to learn and also just ways to stand up and like Ashley said and I said before choose a side pick a side and resist and stand up for what you believe in. So Mm -hmm. that's my choice. It's Nick Stone's Dear Martin. Great. I love both of those choices so much. (laughs) Jen, what's yours? So I chose George. I've always, I will just say in my head said George Takei, but it is George Takei, right? (laughs) Yes. George Takei's They Called Us Enemy, which is his graphic memoir. And I read this purely by coincidence a little bit before I reread internment and was just blown away. So he writes about being in the Japanese internment camp when he is quite young with his parents and his younger brother. And it is brilliant for multiple reasons. One I think is he talks about when he was a child, what a good job his parents did of protecting him from fear 
and of the creative ways that his mother was able to make things seem like fun, even though she and his father were going through such turmoil and they were so frightened, but that they really protected George and his little brother. And you get the whole history of their relationship. Then you see George at these different stages in his life as he realizes what actually happened to his family. So you see him quite angry with his father for not having protested more. And you see him think, you know, considering the ways that the government participated in the whole thing, perpetrated the whole thing. And I think just watching that growing understanding, the times that he's angry with his parents, that he's angry with the government, that he understands what they did, that he feels empathy for them. It's it's like these stages of life that are so brilliantly portrayed, both in the art and in the words and in the way he told the story. So it's not this sort of it's just a very nuanced take on what happened and the way that he has come to understand it through his life. It is absolutely beautiful. My youngest son, who is nine, saw our English supervisor for the division book talk this at a literacy night, and he wanted it. And I bought it for him because I think it is accessible to kids that young. And yet I also think it's one of those that at whatever stage you are in your life, you would read it differently. And so I think it is a rich text in more ways than one. And definitely the knowledge about the internment camps would go right alongside the book internment. I think that would be a great pairing. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm hoping to read that one. I think I have that on my Kindle and so I'm hoping to read that soon. Sounds great. And it's powerful. And, you know, it's a fast read because it's a graphic memoir. I think it's one that would reward rereading. And so it's nice that it is so short and that it reads so quickly because I do think, like, I've only read it once, but I would relish the opportunity to read it again. So, all right. So our last couple of things are summing up our discussion of internment. So first we want to talk about, do you think that this book is a keeper? Yeah, so I would definitely loan this one to people. I think as particularly, I just think it's a great fit. I would particularly encourage people to have it in their classroom because I just think, again, it's great for teens. I think it is an important story to be told and that kids benefit from reading it. So yeah, I would loan it. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, same. I would loan it or donate it. I mean, I would probably donate it to a classroom. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I probably won't read it again. And I don't really feel like I have to keep it on my shelf. So I think that I would donate it to a classroom, high school, library, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I am keeping it for my kids. I think it is a really powerful artifact is a weird word, but that's the one that's popping in my head of the time we're in now. And I want them to understand it from where we are. Obviously this is talking about a near future thing, but I think it so resonates with our current political situation that I think it would be worthwhile. So I will keep it for that reason. I do not think that I will read it a third time, but I do think I would like to keep it and share it with my boys when they are old enough. All right. So next is, or finally is our personal rating. How many bookish hearts are you giving this book? 
I give it four bookish hearts, I think. And part of that is because of what we said about the author's note. I mean, I think honestly, in some ways, the plot probably is a little bit lower for me on a rating scale, but that the intention behind it and the importance of telling a story, I would give it four. Sarah? I would give it three bookish hearts. Yeah, I think I'm at four as well. I, I don't think I'm going to go for the five again, but I do think there's enough worthwhile discussion. Yeah, there's enough that's worthwhile in it that it, I would give it four. So, all right. So to close out today, we are going to do our give me one section, and that is going to be one thing that is getting you by this week. Ashley? Uh, so I was, I had one I was going to say, and then I actually have another one that just came to my mind, but basically I'm going to say two things. One is the Cincinnati Zoo is doing daily safari live things on Facebook and all of those are available on their YouTube channel. And I can put a link to that in the show notes, but that has just been great. It's a really cool chance to see the animals up close and it's been really interesting for my kids, but I really enjoyed watching it as well. They're around 20 minutes and it's typically either the animal is exercising and they're, you know, giving them treats while the animal exercises and does some important things to keep them healthy or they're feeding them. And so it's been really interesting. And then the other thing that has really made a big difference for our family is just being outside. So every chance we've had to be outside, we've spent a lot more time outside than normal. And that seems like that helps our moods a lot. Great. Sarah, how about you? I'm going to go with FaceTime because I'm really close with my mom and my dad. We see them a lot. And so we haven't been able to see them. So getting to see them on FaceTime and talking to them, that has been great for me and for the kids. Nice. So we have been fighting screen time a lot in my house. And so it's always this weird balance of when the kids are playing on their own and when we're watching things as a family. And one one thing that we've been watching as a family is Lego Masters, which is a reality competition with pairs of competitors. And the pairs of competitors are given a different Lego challenge each week. And they have to build something that meets the challenge. And the creativity on this show is off the charts. It is just amazing. And so while there is a competitive element to it, they are also supportive of each other and will admire each other's creations. And after every show, my younger son wants to go up and build his own response to the Lego challenge. And it's just been fun. Will Arnett is the host who does the voice of Lego Batman. So Lego Batman's voice puts in an appearance <laughs> periodically. <laughs> and it's, it's just been a lot of fun. So that actually started before the crisis. And that, but that has been this nice moment of, I don't have to yell at my kids to get off screen because we're watching it together. I don't have to have that battle and we can talk about it as a family. And then it is translating into these nice creative moments for my kids. So that sounds really cool. We'll have to check it that out. It is a great show. Oh my we gosh. We do a lot of Legos. I was going to say, <laughs> yes, I think y'all would love it. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our episode. So we'll just remind you again, if you head over to our website, unabridgedpod.com, you can sign up for our newsletter there, or you can find us on Instagram at unabridgedpod. And in our link tree, we have a link to sign up for the newsletter. We will keep coming at you with things that are helping us get by and that might help you get by as well. We're thinking of you all and thanks for listening. <laughs> 
Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 